Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this, the final. Greg, is this true? Yeah, we did it, How buddy. long have we been doing this? We've been in 2021 longer than anybody else. Longer than the year. Lo- much longer than the year. So much longer than the year, buddy. It is, we're barely still inside February here. This is going to drop after February. Now, typically, Greg, we have right. a full season dedicated to years, but tonight yes. we're just going to do it in one silly hour but will we ryan will we bring the same integrity to the process oh that we my always God, do the amount of integrity yeah dude i really like well, we are serious actually no the integrity is going to be awful we have no choice but to also bring in colin <laughs> from the scavenger podcast network from the timlini scavengers mm-hmm. it's Colin. Colin, hey are you ready to do this i am absolutely ready i am here to take that integrity that you had and just sort of ball it up and then kobe right in the I trash lo- can <laughs> and say let's get into it i love that uh, you have this ability to be to look at two people talking to be like their integrity seven. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take it to a nine. That's such a like that's such a handy capability. Gonna give him the Colin bump, he says. Mm. <laughs> Which was an incredible dance move in the '90s, but now it's an integrity razor in the <laughs> 2020s. Six blades, guys. Oh, I have some questions. We're doing movies tonight. We're gonna wrap yes. them all up. We have eight movies. Colin, you were not on the uh, preview show, so you did not help pick these eight movies, but you watched them all, and you're mm-hmm. ready to discuss. I am. Good. Um, couple of questions before we kick this thing off. Sure. We're so nervous, and by we, I mean the three of us and all of society, I will speak for, about theaters going away. Mm-hmm. How many of these eight movies did you guys actually go see? And when the answer is zero, are you okay with that? I saw uh, one in the same. in the theaters. I saw Spider Man in the theaters next to a very nice gentleman who opted not to wear a mask. Which, oh, which cool. what, was oh, he cough cool. a lot? In contravention of local <laughs> local laws, I have to say. Sure. But uh yeah, he was a heavy breather. Um he was. <laughs> but that's COVID. so I have seen COVID. one I've seen one movie in the theaters in in the last two years, and it was uh Spider Man No Way Home. I have to say, like, if you're if you're gonna only see oh, one in two years. Yeah, not a bad sure. choice. My not theater was choice. bumping. The energy was Same. crazy. The guy next great. to me could not stop coughing in excitement. <laughs> and it was just like, everything felt so good. Every moment of the movie where somebody, where the, when they made the movie, they're like, oh, people are going to go, woo, when this happens. Mm-hmm. My theater delivered. Went absolutely bonkers. Yeah, the floor like, raising up. Like, uh, like earlier in some of the reveals than even like, I was totally aware. Like, yeah. look at the shape of that guy's eyes. They're just like, like oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy with COVID next to you, uh, he could only cough directly into your popcorn. Was yeah. that a problem? Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, some people, that's the only way they can cough. And so. Yeah, I like, told you that to my people. rapid test said negative. <laughs> All right. I was fine. The mask just kind of bothers my face a little bit. <laughs> here is a note that I wrote that says, I told you that my rapid test said negative. Uh, right. Colin, how many movies in the theater? Uh, just one, and uh, I saw that same movie uh, four it times. It wasn't Drive in My Car. No, four times you said. Yeah. Wow. Well, listen. Here's here's how I did it. Twice to see Spider Man No Way Home. Basically, like you know, for myself, uh, like back home. Actually, interestingly enough, and then uh, I saw it once when my parents wanted to see it. Well, my mom wanted to see it, and she's been getting into the MCU stuff, so she was like, nice. "Can we go see this?" So I was like, "Yeah, let's go." Uh, and then it was still in theaters for my birthday, so I went one more time because I was like, "Hey, it's a middle of the, it's like a weekday. No yeah. one can do shit during the middle of the day, so I'll just go to a theater at noon." And I was one of two people there, so it was like I could kind of like stretch out 
felt good. Could call you know directly into that guy's, uh, you know, popcorn again. Don't you love it when there's only one other yeah. person in the theater? You just plop down right next to him. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, let's be friends. <laughs> yeah, dude, I guess we're hanging out, bud. And then every time you go to the bathroom, you have to go that way towards <laughs> right. It's like, oop, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> oh, my me oh my god. And gosh. I really love going, hey, what did I miss? Yeah. <laughs> spider. There was another Spider-Man. <laughs> right. I like leaning over and going, wait, who's this guy? <laughs> I don't know who's uh, this guy success stories of last year and greg i don't know if we did this on century of the year but uh i took my two preteen nieces to see mm. spider-man nice How and cool. i had to because her mom or their mom was going to babysit my daughter so it was like a seems fair child exchange yeah. enough and the whole morning i didn't know this until months later but the whole morning they were like fucking i don't want to see this movie i don't oh. want to hang out with this uncle this fucking oh, sucks no. and then found out that they have seen it five times since then nice yeah that's awesome. Spider-Man that. is an addiction. It is. Oh, yeah, dude. I oh, mean, and, like, what other character do they just, like, every time you see them, they just add additional uh, versions of that one character, and people are happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, my nieces are huge fans of Gary Oldman from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, so that's their big thing. But other than that, it's Spider-Man now. There are five behind me on this little, uh, you know, display thing there, and then the, the main one is on my desk. Nice. Um because I don't go anywhere without my son. <laughs> That's so weird. Uh, did you That's guys regret not seeing West Side Story? Not seeing no. even Red Rocket? Like in the no. in the comfort of your own home? Was it a bummer to not be in theaters? Or I'm did say- you love not sitting, not having the one other person who bought a ticket sit directly next to you, coughing the entire time, and get to watch these movies in the comfort of your own home? West Side Story was the only—I would say—is the only one where I was like, "This yeah. feels a little bad not watching this on a big screen." So what I did is uh, I fired up the old Oculus VR headset. Ryan, you watch this in your eyes, and I <laughs> I put a, I put it on a big screen in the virtual, and I watched it That's that way. That's hilarious because it really like it. First yeah. of all. Like when you watch a movie that way, it makes you pay attention. It's like being in a theater and you can't look at your phone. All right? you can do is look at the screen, mm-hmm. right? And I kept stopping paying attention to this movie, and that's not that's really not right to do with with, right. with this movie in particular. So it's not fair of any movie, but I just felt like with this one, I was missing all like the really legitimately exciting spectacle. So yeah, I threw on the old goggles, and I, I I tried to make up for it, but the sound wasn't as good. Yeah, and so yeah. that's so crazy that you can do that. Yeah, dude, and it's it. It, it it replicates the experience to a certain degree. It's not sitting in a theater, but it kind of feels like it. And for a guy who's only been in a theater one time in the last two years. Honestly, for me, mm-hmm. like I have a giant TV and a sound bar. And my only thing is that in movie theaters, I don't look at my phone. Yep. yep. That's yeah. the big thing. So if I, if I can throw my phone in the corner of the room uh, as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. It's like spiking on the ground. Then it does it does sort of recreate the movie theater experience, you know. Like I just let me not be distracted. But in a movie theater, I never think about my phone. When I throw it in the corner, I'm thinking about like, oh, what's going on on yep. that phone? <laughs> I I had that same issue, and you know, I I do agree with your assessment, Greg. That I, when I was watching West Side Story, I was kind of like, to a certain extent, I feel like this is something that you should be seeing in a theater. And I think it's also because it is a musical, and like. I'm used to seeing musicals in a crowd, being yeah. in an audience and watching it. So it was very weirdly, I don't know what it is. There's something very strange about when you put a musical into a movie because then there's no applause breaks or anything like that. Uh-huh. So it yeah. feels unbelievably uncomfortable to me when you do this incredible choreography and all this you know, amazing singing and all this stuff. And you're like, ba-pow, 
And they all and stop and freeze and like wait for it. Pretty all much. doing the, and then the they big heavy away. breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And then like one guy in the back strikes his pose, but he falls over a little bit. Yeah. He's waiting for the uh, mm-hmm. applause. And then, you know, then they're just like, okay, and now to the next scene. And like it feels I don't know what it is, but it just feels so empty and I anticlimactic, weird. right? Yeah. Yeah. So at least being in a theater where people probably wouldn't clap, but at least you're still around people, I feel like people, would feel better. People in the theater should respond. That's one thing I've realized over the last two years, like mm-hmm. not having that experience. If you go see a movie live, you should be hooting and hollering, well, and you should be getting rowdy, like not talking to your neighbor, like, "Hey, right. dude, what's up?" No, but no, just no. But like, that's get why involved. I love the MCU stuff and like Star yes. Wars and stuff like that. Like seeing that stuff live when people react yes. is incredible. Yeah. Seeing so I saw No Way Home like day of right, uh, so I was in a packed theater. And it felt so good to not have to contain my excitement yeah, when the yeah. second I saw that hand and I was like, he's fucking back, baby. I, mean, <laughs> I literally, I just, I think the first thing out of my mouth was just simply, yes, like at the top of my lungs because I had been so not desperate like, for Matt Murdock to come back. Not like no. forced, just like, right. whoa, this is it the like, sound that. Yeah, it, it just escaped from, like, I feel, <laughs> you know, I have social anxiety. Uh, and anxiety in general, but like especially social based. And so I feel like I don't like to make a big like fuss or scene in do. a public setting. But in in like moments like that, I know that I'm in a safe space to react the way that I need to. Um, because the amount of times I've been to a theater and been like, holy shit, that's so cool. But I can't say anything because I've hear just dead silence. Yeah. The only other time I think I've done that with like without meaning to was I saw the movie, the book of Eli, like in theaters ages ago. And it was like the first week that it had come out. And at the big twist without meaning to, I went, what? Like (laughs) not loud enough for the whole theater to hear me, but the whole section that was around me heard me say that. And everyone like laughed. Um, Not like at me. They were like, no, yes, we, we understand. We all get that energy. Oh shit. Like I was like, I did not see that coming. Colin, that is bullshit. Uh, yeah, we went great. to see Drive My Car together, and uh, you shouted "Drive That Car" at the top of your lungs. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I didn't want to seem like I was too aggressive. Uh, no, they, that was loud. But yeah. no, I think this is an important note for all film-going audiences, theater-going mm-hmm. audiences. Talk with the movie, not despite the movie. Yeah. Please, yes. uh, like, if you are talking with the movie, I have a infinite capacity for dealing with that. If Correct. you are talking about anything else. Shut the fuck up. I will seriously, I'm at the age now where I will go find an Usher. Yeah, yep. dude. I will go get yeah, kicked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if Usher I, isn't there, I will so go good. with Lil John. I also think, though, that on the same note of that, though, right, the thing about, like, not, I mean, in a way it's talking with it in quotes, but, like, if you're going to go see that something that's a big pop culture thing, yeah, don't take someone who doesn't know what's happening. Like, I understand that little kids want to see Spider-Man, but, like, there are things that you need to explain before they get there. Because I will say, during my third viewing, where my mom was there, uh, my mom, like, later on was like, great movie, really wish that one kid would shut up. Because two rows in front of us, there was a little kid who kept being like, who is that? And like his well, parent would have to like lean over, but kids don't have. Volume it's obviously Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, they're right. all fucking like, Spider Man. Spider Man. I thought what you were gonna say, and maybe your mom's not a boomer, but mine is. Uh, is yeah. That your mom kept leaning over because I will never go to a movie with my mom again. She will keep <laughs> leaning over and say like, "Is that the Spider Man?" <laughs> Guys, we I have think... to take a oh, break. We have to oh, get yeah. out of here because we have a battle knocking on the door. We're about oh, to kick out four movies and then three more movies and then determine what is the single greatest movie of 2021 our number one seed the power of the dog 
marks Jane Campion's return to the big screen after 12 years. It tells the story of Bronco Henry, played by Duncan Idaho, who uses the power of dogs on a ranch in Montana. Its opponent is the number nine seed, Red Rocket, directed by two-time Movie of the Year winner Sean Baker. Red Rocket has a comeback story of its own, as it stars ex-VJ and scary movie star Simon Rex as an ex-porn star who returns to his Texas hometown. Greg, we'll start with you. Which main character serves up a heartier lesson on toxic masculinity? Benedict Cumberbatch's Phil Burbank or Simon Rex's Mikey? Ooh, they, they do it in such different ways because mm-hmm. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch comes on so obviously toxic masculinity. And I feel like uh, in um, Red Rocket, he builds a lot more slowly. And it's like, at first, you can't help it. At first, you're like, I want to see this guy, you know, to have this comeback. And I want to see him start being good. And you realize that everything about him is yep. toxic. Like, when he is being nice and when he's being charming, that's uh-huh. him actually being his worst. And that the only way you can deal with him is the way she tries to deal with him at the beginning of the movie. He goes back to Texas. He goes to see his ex-wife. And she, like, tries to slam the door in his face, tries to, like, close it and just be like, don't even talk to me. Get away from me. Get away from me. And he yep. worms his way into her life. And so I'd say my big final answer is I think it's him because Power of the Dog, it's about how toxic masculinity can blind you. This movie is uh, 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 Red Rocket is about how you can be blind to toxic masculinity when it comes in the guise of like a really charming, right? Yeah, like like a, a raconteur. I can tell stories and 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 can you know use language to um, sort of like trick you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do think that they are dealing with this in their in their different ways. Like they it, they are very separate, but when we come like when you think about these two together, I do think it's sort of a perfect matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially with filmmaking wise, Colin, which filmmaking uh, sort of like does it better for you? Is it the grand, you know, sort of like let's look at backgrounds of Power of the Dog, or is it the in your face, let's look at the fringes of America of Sean Baker's Red Rocket? I think it's definitely contextual to genres because, like, you know, if this was the if they were the same genre, right, like in in some fashion, I would feel very weirded out by Red Rocket being like a Western that was that close in your face. I'd be like, show anything. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, it was very rarely large-scale stuff. Um, But it also, I guess, makes sense. It helps make the town feel small. So I I think, like, cinematography-wise, essentially, like, I really liked uh, Power of the Dog in that sense. They had incredible landscapes and, like, set pieces. Um, But, like, you know, Red Rocket was kind of grungy and not pleasant to look at, um, which I think is also kind of the point of areas like that in the United States. Yeah, let's focus on that. Like, there were so many times in Power of the Dog where I wasn't sure how big this story was. Mm-hmm. And then I would see backgrounds that were breathtaking. Yeah. And then I would find out that these people are actually fucking millionaires. Like, these are, like, yeah. this is the 1% of, you know, this time, <laughs> the which the West movie, like, yeah. really hides from you for a while. Like, about mm-hmm. halfway through the movie, you find out that, like, no, these people are rich as fuck. And Phil, Benedict Cumberbatch, is just lying about this. Like, lying yeah. about how dirty he is. Well, and isn't that, I mean, that's, like, a particularly useful message nowadays, I think, where we have a lot of very, very rich, like, quote, elites who like to almost, like, pretend 
like they didn't go to Harvard or they didn't go right. to Yale. Yeah. They like to pretend like they don't have $8 million homes and that they like they put on a flannel shirt and some jeans and they're like, I'm just like you. So I think that that, that makes it like a very modern message in a way. And the movie mm-hmm. does deliver it really well because you can, f- from Jesse Plemons' character, you can feel like something is different here. Like he, yes. like, <laughs> why does he seem this way and, F- and Phil seems this way? And it's because they're ready to move on they're they've they've uh, they've entered into a new sphere of life but it just it offers phil nothing because what he really wants is that kind of cold like almost like knife fight existence where everything is a is like wills opposed to one another and is this because he wants what does phil want touch i think what phil wants more than anything else is to be able to touch and be touched and so it's just so he's just lashing out because he has because right because he has he has like illicit homosexual desires that he can't mm-hmm. resolve and the effect of that is it has made him completely like isolated and he's going a kind of crazy based on like literally just not touching anybody i think and and so that's why he's obsessed with like getting dirty and feeling the mud he's obsessed with running his hand over the saddle it's not just because he feels like he's touching bronco henry i think it's because he's just not interacting with anybody in any sort of like physical way it's also overcompensation, right? Like that's why he is so. Sorry, that's why his toxic masculinity stands out so much. Yes, there yeah. are many times where I don't truly think that he believes the things that he's saying or doing, even though it would make sense for those times. But like to be the first one to call um, the boy who had, was his name Matt, I think. I, all of a sudden, I can't remember the the younger boy's name the kind of creepy son uh yeah uh, yeah um who clearly has also something going on with him that they don't really know how to like address in those times because they didn't know enough about people and you know mental stability and things like that but like he has to make sure that he's the first one to kind of call him a nancy and make him the butt of a joke because then it kind of throws people off of his scent right uh by being like see i i can't be this because i clearly hate people that are like this yeah. Um, which performances from The Power of the Dog really stood out to you guys? This is it, It's been multi-nominated, but I, I would say that this is a movie filled with weird performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which ones really hit, and were there any that, like, didn't? The 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 the, the boy that we... we Cody Smith-McPhee. Yeah, because yeah. The, the whole time, you spend the entire movie being like, okay, this is somebody I feel bad for, right? and I feel like is being definitely picked on, and also, at the same time, I feel deeply uncomfortable with, and I kind of feel like is a weirdo. And so, at the same time, I I feel him as a victim, and I feel the impulse, perhaps, to ostracize him in to some bully degree. him. Like, yeah, maybe you're the bully. And so, you feel both things at the same time because he's a dweeb, right? Like, yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. a weirdo. And I mean, so, he wa- like that walk through all of the cowboys hooting and hollering yeah. just so he could take a look at a nest. And then follow him back through that same route. Like and part yeah. of me, part of me is like, what you do know, you expect a cowboy to do? Exactly, a very ungenerous feeling. Like, what do you expect? Like, what? Why are you acting like this? Why can't you just fit in a little bit better? Or why can't you stay the hell away from them? And that's blaming him for his for his being odd. And then at the same time, obviously, this dude does have problems. Yes, like, right. <laughs> but he, he wanted to kill somebody, and he just found a good person to to do it to, really, and executes them. Yes, uh, wildly, uh, and then like celebrates it. He yeah. goes. That rope becomes a trophy for him, and he yep. worships at it. Like 
he's going to kill somebody else. He'll maybe he'll just old West Dexter it. Like maybe it'll all be bad dudes like this, but like that's a killer. But we're also hoping and praying that your version of bad dudes is the same as everybody else's. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Red Rocket real quick. Uh, Sean Baker's Fringes of America. Was this a new world that you guys have never been in before? No. I mean, I've definitely, I mean, honestly, like it's around where I live. You know what I mean? Like, I don't live in the. Or let me most... let me rephrase oh, yeah. then. Is this a movie that you or is this a story that you've never seen told on screen before? Oh, um, kind of. I would say it's much fewer in between, right? I feel like a lot of, especially movies that you want to see, be like the the big movies. Um, they're all like all the big blockbusters take place in like big cities. I feel like most of the time, very rarely do you see a small town where it's like, you know, they show you why I think a lot of things happen in regions of, especially like the South where people are sort of villainized for certain behaviors. But I also think that we frequently don't do enough to help them. And so it's like, they're sort of left to their own devices. And when you continuously push them away, they're going to kind of push back. Uh, And that's what this movie feels like a lot. Is it weird to say that, and I just want to point out how you were about to talk about like really interesting stories about your own life, and I pushed you away and asked <laughs> you to talk about the movie, which is exactly what Hollywood is doing. But is it weird to say that these people feel pushed away, or people push them away because they don't see enough movies about them? You know, huh. like it. We're always watching movies about the yeah. pretty people with the perfect lives, and I think Sean Baker is really interested in saying it's that's not everyone. In fact, it's I agree not, with that most people and that there's so much world out there that most right. people don't know about because most people go to disney world they don't stay at one of the cheap hotels near it you know right. most right. people drive around la they don't stop at the donut shops and talk to the sex workers who are stationed there like there's a lot in um what's the one from tangerine there's a lot like of areas of that i live in where i've never seen the side of that he shows in tangerine yeah. where a hotel your city like this is this hotel has a room where there's like eight prostitutes and everyone is smoking crack in it and everyone is like going and, and visiting sex workers there and it's just part of the fabric of the place that you are also in but right. you just don't ever see it and so you don't feel like it exists but brother it exists and it's a it's like a dynamic space where there are many types of people and there are many different plot lines going on and there's as much tragedy and drama in these spaces even though they're not typically and their seen. lives this is crazy for some people to hear but their lives are as important to them as your life is as important to you yeah like correct. they are a complete individual uh colin let me ask you real quick we're not doing best actor actress supporting sure. actor and supporting actress but if we were to did simon rex stand a chance here of taking down the whole thing and winning the award probably uh probably not um i mean like and i don't mean that as any kind of slight i think he was he was good at making me not like him right yep, yep. and i don't think that <laughs> that means that he's a bad actor to be very clear i think that oh, no, the great actors can do a great job of making you hate someone right and i definitely did not like him from the start and it kind of like you were saying earlier you're kind of going maybe he's gonna fix it but the further he went along, the more I was like, yeah. actually, I strongly, strongly dislike you. Um, I think there I were mean, some good acting choices, um, but I think it's more of some of it didn't even feel like acting. It just felt like it was just kind of a reality. And I understand that some people might say, isn't that great acting? But it's that thing of I'm not so sure sometimes that it was blurred, if that makes any sense. 
I I hear you, but I think you're completely wrong. I uh, I hmm. think that the mixture of Simon Rex is character Mikey uh, versus the, and this could totally be done poorly, but I thought it was done amazingly of having Donald Trump talking in the background. Like yeah. this is this is at a time you know this is at 2016, so this is a sort of period piece. I thought worked perfectly, Greg. Yeah, I you know I I definitely see what you're saying about the the acting being so realistic that it's like well are they acting at this point but i i feel like it walks that line pretty effectively Mm -hmm. and i think that you really get to live with these characters in such a way like your slow introduction to this guy right creates such a bad feeling in you by the end of the movie that like uh, that journey i think is something that the that the actor needs to get credit for I no, I do agree with that because you know the big thing for me. I do agree with also what you were saying, Ryan, about like the background stuff. That was sort of what I was getting at. What I meant, like when we kind of blame people for how they end up, sort of situation, right? right? Like, of course, people from regions like that are going to vote for the person that's like, "Hey, I get that people are sort of rejecting you," and that's sort of what a, a lot of that world that was sort of built there feels like. I just feel as though, although the acting was really strong the sort of like dynamics, I guess you could say between the main actors of power of the dog just felt stronger. Yeah. And I, I at a certain point we do, we had to decide between the two, but I just, I want to point out that like we had to spend two hours with Mikey in red rocket and mm-hmm. that's awful. And then we have to turn it off and then spend two, like the rest of our lives with our family, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> I thought that Sean Baker nailed it once again, gentlemen, mm-hmm. here we go. Colin, I'm going to start with you. The Power of the Dog versus Red Rocket. What is your vote? I think it's going to be Red Rocket, to be honest. Um, as as much as it sounds like I was just very pro Power of the Dog, at the end of the day, uh, Red Rocket still had some like excitement, and I felt like Red Rocket—I mean, sorry, Red Rocket had some excitement, and Power of the Dog was just sort of one kind of long, like elongated story. I mean, did the power of the dog even have and sync at all? <laughs> all right, Red Rocket, that's one. Greg? Yeah, you know, uh, I think if you were to check off like a bunch of boxes of uh, impressive things, power of the dog does all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And and a big one is be epic in scale and epic with, with your cinematography. But where Red Rocket beats it is Sean Baker finds that epicness and he just finds it in close shots and he finds it in small stories. He But he it's the same sweep. It's the same drama. It's It's all that same stuff. But it doesn't always have to be in vistas and everything like that. It can just be in the human experience. Small, so oh, sorry. A small scape uh, epic is very accurate for what that felt like, and I hadn't put that into thoughts. But when you but it's said there those too. two like, parts of the sentence, when, yeah. When uh, Mikey gets off the bus, mm-hmm. like, and is walking towards his ex-wife's house, like we see sweeping vistas. They're yeah. just gross. That's the thing. Like, yeah. he shoots the sort of urban blight or the suburban blight. And he shoots it in a way that I wouldn't say makes it beautiful, but it frames it in a provocative way. It makes it interesting. It reminds us that this is part of our world, even if it's not completely beautiful all the time. So you're voting for Red Rocket? I am voting for Red Rocket, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, I was going to vote for The Power of the Dog. That's the number one seed. (laughs) That I am done. Uh, Red Rocket moves on. Jane Campion, go fight yourself. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, the next battle. Well, that is very, very funny or very sad. 
and perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Your number four seed is Spider-Man No Way Home. It tells the story of the power of the dog's Phil Burbank <laughs> being an even bigger dick to young hottie Tom Holland, creating two older, less attractive Tom Hollands. <laughs> <laughs> it is going against the number five seed Licorice Pizza. Paul Thomas Anderson's trip down memory lane features debut performances from Cooper Hoffman and Alina Heim. Alana Heim. All of the Heims. They're, they're all in there. <laughs> Colin, we'll start with you on this one. Who was the true it couple of 2021? Peter uh, and MJ or Gary and Alana? Peter and MJ, uh, for sure. Uh, and I don't think it's close because the relationship in Licorice Pizza is uncomfortable. <laughs> like unbelievably uncomfortable because she's 20 she's 25 and he's 15 isn't the character really 28 i know that alana heim she accidentally said that she was 28 and then corrected herself and said that she's 25 because the character is supposed to be 25 but on, the only realistic explanation for that in the world of the movie is that that character is actually 28 and, and she's not just 25. lying about her age and that she says she's 25 instead of so she i it's think they're younger. actually 13 years apart which makes it worse like i think with every year of, but they of an love age gap, each other no that's you, hey do you see the way the they look at punk, each other that's the pop punk community speaking right now and that's got to stop you know i have saying? to say yeah i have to say we did the 1975 season mm -hmm. of movie of the year and part of what was going on in the 1970s was old dudes mm -hmm. were having sex with young women like, like red rocket like, yeah like 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 girls in their their mid-teens and they were yeah. like kind of giving it a shot can we get like cultural acclaim for this so <laughs> like but but i mean i'm talking like you know david bowie um like the the big rock stars mick jagger of the time like we're all like dallying with like girls that were too young and my point of bringing this up is that mm -hmm. that was something that happened in the 1970s sure men to women constantly yeah and i think that this movie plays with that because when we see it in reverse, suddenly it seems a little, it seems even a little more unnatural. Or it, it, I think it highlights the fact that that is an unusual aspect of 1970s culture. I, but like, I sort of disagree in that it does continue today. I do think that, I'm not saying that like we should change the law to make Gary and Alana be together. But I'm saying that there is a double standard. And yes, I. that's something that I had written down in my notes was the double standard situation here. And I'm fine with it. And I think that Alana mm -hmm. is intoxicated. And we as the uh, uh, me as the audience, maybe not you guys, but I am also intoxicated. And also Alana's a fucking loser. And that's what people <laughs> don't talk about enough. Is and that, and yeah. that he's the he there's no other male person in that movie that is as much of a man as gary valentine is. <laughs> that is true. he is the only man in the entire movie and he may Even be more than her like dad yes yeah. like, just sits in a chair and, and screams at her yeah. for wearing short skirts or coming home she's 25 or 28 mm -hmm. years old and she comes home at like 10 and he's like what the fuck there's nothing about gary valentine that is 15 years old he has a uh, uh like a reserved table at a restaurant yes where, like, dude he, he has his, his own dinner. restaurant now and that's the thing right it's like i understand that like he is made to be like i'm 
I'm I'm I'm like an old soul in a young body kind of thing, right? Yes. But like the the reason why I think the uh, kind of going back to the what well, I I get what you're saying, but I disagree, right? Because the thing is, is that we saw in Red Rocket, I didn't really address it because they move kind of past it kind of quickly, although they end with it as well. Like the whole that movie ends with him hoping that this soon to be eighteen year old will take him in kind of thing. But Wait, like he's he's knocked out of his mind, right? Like. At that point, that's all fake Dreamland. Oh, well, that's yeah, gotta no, that, be fake the, Dreamland. The, the bikini thing, yes, definitely. That's that's Dreamland. But like, I mean, like him going to her house and like he's clearly standing out there, like hoping that's what's going to greet him. And I think yeah. we all know that's definitely not going to be the case. But the thing with like Licorice Pizza was that I was looking at this movie and I was like, you know, when we see a man like on the news and it's like this twenty-five-year-old man was sleeping with a fifteen-year-old girl, right? We're all immediately like ill gross this sucks like throw him in jail people you know like and i agree with that statement but then whenever it's like hey this high school kid banged his teacher but like it's an older woman with a younger guy everyone's always like hey nice going brother back in a you know uh you know an old older gal like good for you like people like and weirdly pat him on the back and it's like we should be saying it's the same level that of is true that is all gross that's all gross. That's equally gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not equally. You know what? Like, it's not equally, but it's it's in the same world of gross. Right. But here's the thing. It's always, I, I'm not just older than you. I have a job that yeah. is higher than you. I yeah, have a power title dynamic. that is higher than you. I kind of groom you Yeah, the into power it. dynamic is crazy, whereas Gary is the groomer. Like, Gary <laughs> is in a lot of ways the gross one who says, like, you're a loser. I'm you should break you. the law for me. <laughs> and I'm going to make you mine. And, the, like, the... The amount of running they do to each other, they just can't fight it. I think the, the movie gas argues for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truthfully, it, the, the, their running is very important because they have this childlike way of running towards each other or running with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a message that, like, they share a youth. Like, he is much older than his years, and she is much, much younger. She right. is, like... She is. They're about both nineteen. I mean, they're like so much. She is a young person in that movie that it almost is like developmentally. Is this character supposed to be a little behind, right? And I could see, I could see a bunch of scenes on the cutting room floor or in the script, or maybe not. Maybe PTA just wants us to figure this out. That Alana is different. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. in that sort of way of like she is not ready for the world she's not social she's not right yeah i mean the first thing the first thing you see her do is barely be like comb mirror and then someone bumps her and she's like fuck off like she screams (laughs) she's so hostile she's so hostile to anyone that's not gary after a while at first she's like pretty hostile to him too there's oh sorry i was gonna say there's there's something up there you know and so that kind of brings their age that brings them developmentally a lot closer than their ages and yet you still had a crush on alana Oh God, yeah. Well, I mean, the, first of all, the, the camera absolutely right. loves her, like mm-hmm. absolutely loves her, and the movie does a really good job of creating crush mind space. And I'm I'm someone who has had crushes on girls my entire life, and so like I felt like it was very evocative of the this is what it's like to have a crush. I think about Ioni Sky from Say Anything or Kate Hudson from Almost Famous of yes. like the director is so in love, yeah. with this actress. That you will be as well. Right. And Pete Anderson was like in love with her mom, right? Like he right. was like a student yeah. of Mama Heim and like has said, like he was basically in love with her. So he, like if you've experienced that feeling and then it's so perfectly translated, I just feel like 
the movie gave me a crush on her. I will never look at Alana Heim the same way. Like, no. I thought that she was a... I have a crush on all the Heim sisters now, actually, because the <sighs> other ones are, are very bewitching in this as well. It's very funny. Is to that me, a though. creepy older guy thing to say? Be so terrible. Yeah you're, yeah, you're canceled. But yeah. like when when she brings home his friend for like a date, and he's like, I mean, I was born Jewish, but I'm not Jewish anymore. Or whatever. <laughs> the way she freaks out at her family is, is that yeah. Skyler Gizondo. It is, dude. The, the guy from Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. Oh, and he freaking kills it. Is he a future pop filter Hall of Famer? I dude. think so, dude. He's this amazing. guy kills it. This guy kills it. He played young Sean in Psych. That's how I knew him, which ah, I think is very ah, funny. Ah. Um, but we all have a different Skylar Gizondo yeah, story. Yeah, for sure. But like, I really love also the way she freaked out at him when she's like, what yeah. does your dick look like? And he's like, excuse me? <laughs> like that is, I will say possibly one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie, um, in the last few years. That and ladies, the answer is always the same. It looks like a smaller version of me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I'm Greg's penis. <laughs> Every dude's dick just looks like him, but shrank. But yeah, I, I mean, like Cooper Hoffman or Gary is not the boyfriend that she's supposed to bring home. But then, so she goes and finds Skylar Gisondo, and he's not the right one. You know, like there is no right answer. I love his all like, yeah, technically I am Jewish, but no, I'm, I'm an atheist. Look at my freckles. Don't they stop? Dude, he is as close to stealing the movie as I think anybody as, in that as Bradley Cooper thing. is. Oh gosh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is another nomination for like. You did such a good job making me hate you that I seriously feel like going over to Bradley Cooper and shedding him. <laughs> uh, real quick before we get out of there, let, Colin, I want to talk to you about the structure or lack thereof and the specificity of this movie. Like, this is just a kid who is an actor and then starts a waterbed company. Yes. Does that fuck you guys up? Um, No, actually, surprisingly. And I think this is going to sound so pretentious, and I hope it doesn't um, in the long run. But to me, that is so like I'm currently finishing up my MBA and I feel like that's what a lot of business profiles that you hear about is like is just people who pivot to the next big thing to try and keep themselves relevant and to not fall off of the map um because very like rarely Putin. do you what's that it's like Putin yeah I mean, oh, for sure I mean listen it's like unfortunately you're not going to be as much as I don't really like the guy you're not going to be Elon oh, Musk all the time right you're not going to okay. have someone have Tesla and then be that for ages. A lot of the times you have a company and then that item or whatever that you make is now irrelevant. So you're like, I don't want to then lose all what I have. So it's time to switch to another thing. And like, he's got Here's acting, a mover but, and a shaker. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like how, how uh, viable is his acting career? You know what right, I mean? Uh, so he's got to switch to something. And I guess waterbeds was the option. I'm going to ask this to Colin, Greg. I hope you can be okay with this. I don't know if you have a response ready, but Colin, is Spider-Man No Way Home a good movie? Yes. Oh, my God. That movie ruled. That movie was very good. Greg, is it actually a good movie? Well, Ryan, it depends on what you mean. Something we say on... Uh, I'm comparing it to licorice pizza. So, Something we say on Movie of the Year a lot is it's so interesting how many different things are movies... And I, it, it depends on what you want. If I wanted to go see this in a theater with my nephew and get rowdy, it's a good it's a good movie. That's I think literally never been my film. Like, is that good quality? I think it's entertaining and interesting and fun. There, are, but I've said the same thing about a lot of the Marvel movies. They are often not not movies, really. Like this is in so many ways. Is this it closer is, to the Waterworld Sun Show? 
Yeah, it's like it's like a tour through things that we really like and kind of like put together in a new way and kind of like a fun continuation of like some of these characters that we're interested in. But it is to me uh, I loved it. I thought it was so good and it was so entertaining. And again, movies are so many different things, but this is such an outlier in this list of films. It is striving to do so many different things. This is like a Universal Studios experience. This is like, I expect to be spritzed in the face with water and my chair to jiggle under me and everything. Like, I like it, but it's just, I don't feel the same way after watching this movie that I do after watching Licorice Pizza or Drive My Car, right? That's I don't interesting. Feel, I don't feel changed as a person. I don't feel given a new perspective on the world. I don't feel my ideas challenged or myself to be expanded in any way. I don't feel like I carry it with me and reflect on my life in relation to it after I've seen it. You just had a blast. I just had a good time. And I'm not discounting that in any way, except to say, for me, it's not anywhere near movie of the year material. It's like great Marvel movie material. It's like fun Anything that comes out of the house of Disney, a fun, good time, but just a different animal than ultimately the kind of movie that grabs me and becomes part of me and forces me to be d- different in some way than I was before. I think Colin. that my my main point here is just going to be, and I don't think that you're wrong for saying those things, right? But I think that there's two things about like what's a good movie. And one of them is also about... You know, what you were saying makes sense, but I don't think that you need to leave every experience being a changed person per se. Yeah. But at the same time, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, Red Rocket, even like, uh, even Drive My Car, really, and West Side Story. I feel like, no, God, especially Pig. Fuck. Okay, we'll get to that. But like, (laughs) most of those movies are not movies I'm going to be thinking about for years to come. I'm not going to be, like, once we're done with this whole thing, I'm not going to be constantly be going... Am I kind of going through my Phil moment right now? Right? No. I'm not going to be thinking about it probably ever again if I can. Um, But the thing is, is that for some people, like, spectacle and entertainment is what makes things good or great. And for me, like, I am emotionally invested very deeply in Marvel stuff. And there's some Marvel movies that are just kind of okay at best. Yeah, Um, Yeah. But, like, to me... This was like if you wanted to be like far far from home, is it a good movie or like sorry, is it a great movie? I could be like it was good. I enjoyed it, but like it wasn't like insanely, you know, good. But like Spider-Man No Way Home was extremely different from what a lot of the things that they've tried doing is. Very few of these movies have been like we're going to kind of fuck with your feelings for a little bit. Um and like in a way that's going to change how you look at some of these people. Uh, and there was a lot of emotionally driven stuff. I did not cry once looking at any of these other movies, but I did multiple times in Spider-Man. And again, that's also about my level of of uh, uh, commitment or whatever to that. But I think like to to say that like something has to have, you know, expansive landscapes or it has to have, you know, this, this or that is always going to be subjective. So, you know, for what you get out of your movies, I think that's awesome. And I think that's a great way to look at things. But then it's like, for me, uh, I I feel changed when I have like a good time with something. Uh, so I think, you know, totally both correct ways of coming at movies. It's just all about how you want to, to have your world changed, maybe. All right. It is time. Colin, 
Licorice Pizza or Spider Man No Way Home? I mean, do you want to just go ahead and put my mark down for Spider Man? <laughs> I mean, I figured it was Spider Man. Yeah. Although you've been dicey so far. Sometimes you choose uh, the thing that I don't expect you to. Greg, yes. Licorice Pizza or Spider Man? Yeah, I, d- I think for me, I love all the different things movies can be, but. Uh, licorice pizza i think it's just closer to what i personally and i that it is a it is a personal choice yeah sure an intensely personal choice and so for me it's it's licorice pizza yeah i I, like as much as i love spider-man um licorice pizza is just uh, on a different level we're gonna take a break and when we come back battle three hey guys thank you so much for listening so far and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! People weren't super stoked when they heard Steven Spielberg was going to spend his next movie remaking our number seven seed, West Side Story. But that's because they hadn't seen it yet. We know that story, so let's focus on our 15th seed, Pig. Pig tells the story of Rob, a truffle hunter whose pig-slash-best friend is pignapped. He goes on a journey <laughs> through the chef underground to rescue him. Greg, let's start with you. What did we need more in our life? The return of the big budget Hollywood musical or the return of the age of cage? (laughs) I, up until a couple of days ago, would have said we definitely need more Nick Cage. um, Bringing that intensity, that something between the the Oscar Nick Cage and B B movie Cage. Not not Wicker Man, um, but that sort of like that sort of like really over the top cage, the face off cage, maybe. Face off and leaving Las Vegas. And I would have said, um, I don't know if we need a new West Side Story. And now I like I can't even understand what that guy was thinking, Ryan. I this is the movie that, that we Greg? needed for right now. Yeah. yeah. And I would have said, I would have said back then, I would have been like, but Stevie Spiels, he doesn't have anything left in the tank. You're wrong, idiot. You stupid jerk. Don't you know anything? Have you even seen the movie yet? Uh, I like this was I thought it was going to be kind of a paint by numbers like remake. And I don't know, I haven't seen the original in a long time, but I have to say, this felt fresh, and it felt <laughs> like of the moment, for sure. Why, Colin, does Steven Spielberg need to make West Side Story? You know, I think that the the main thing that felt so different was how they shot the film, right? And I don't just mean, like, better cameras, necessarily. I mean that a lot of... Where to put them? Well, I mean, yeah. pretty much. I mean, like, part of the thing about... The original West Side Story was, although it's supposed to depict such a huge city, it never felt large, right? It always kind of felt like pretty close to being a stage adaptation, even though it was slightly more 360 degree locations. They still well, kind I think of that's felt a, that space, you know? 
that's an issue with a lot of old school musical directors. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to shit on the old West Side Story, although no. I probably at some point in the segment will say that the new one is better than the old one. I By think like that a, a good amount. But I, like I, yes, I do ahead. think that a lot of those directors mm-hmm. were like the the talent is on screen. I don't I, I just need to put my point my camera and freeze it on the dancers and the singers because that's what people came to see. And I think that's sometimes that's a really good decision. But mm-hmm. I think that there is nobody in the history of time who is better at moving or placing a camera yeah. than Stevie Spiels. That's and very true. Like this movie does does it. The choreography scenes in particular, um, like versus like when they're just sort of standing around and talking, uh, the way that they move the camera through crowds and stuff like that, or sometimes even overhead, gives so much more visual stuff that you than you would see on a stage um to the point where you can actually for example see the people in the back usually i mean granted when you're on broadway you know you're not really getting any weak dancers necessarily you're getting people who actually can do it whether they're in the front row or the back row of the group um but like i'm thinking a lot about like high school and college performances that i've Uh either been in or been to where you're like you can tell the guy who's like i can't dance but i know how to move and he's like in the uh-huh. back corner, and you kind of can't oh, see him through. Somebody's the football coach made you be on this pretty much, this yeah. Right now. It's like you can kind of see them in the background, but like you can't really tell if they're not into it. But when the cameras are moving in this way, you can tell that everyone there is like completely on equal footing and giving it their all, and it's a spectacular thing to view. But yeah, I think that, that that like whole like take a breath thing, like we're not on a stage right now, even though it was probably all green screened because that's how movies work. But we don't move that much further from like a uh, one block that's being torn down and one block that is uh like a shopping center. Mm-hmm. And that's not like the camera and then inside the apartments, but like still it feels like an entire alien world where he just gets to explore. It feels and like the full the- city, yeah. And the 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 all the shots seem like they started like what advantages do we have by mm-hmm. making this a movie? Not like you know how do we capture the stage experience on film? It was what are things that we can do in a film that we can't do on stage? On yeah. stage, and some of the shots like before the rumble when they're the mm-hmm. the two groups are running towards each other and their shadows cross. Or even the the early stuff at the dance where it's like these really like sort of the even though it's boys and girls like dancing as couples, it feels like very martial and the lines form and everything. And I just the way the camera moves through those spaces, taking advantage of the fact that it can move in a straight line through these things in a way that a stage production can't just like it breathes so much life. This is why the movie needed to be made on, on this day that we're recording this. I'm not sure when it's going to come out, but on this day, Twitter freaked out about the scene where it follows. Um, yeah, the two of the characters in and they open the, the gym door and then the gym is fucking rocking and it's a one -er, and people are talking about, is it a, is it a cheater one -er? you know, like, is it not one shot, but he made it seem like one, but like probably yes, but fucking who, like, yeah, you can't, (laughs) If you've never seen the movie, you can't click on that tweet right. and not get chills. Yeah. And the thing is, like, um, I would also say sometimes you're watching a long one and you're like, uh, damn, dude, you're really just trying to, like, make one big shot out yeah. of this, huh? Instead, That's the only thing you care about, isn't it? It's just the one shot. Instead, this particular shot, what it does is what the shot is supposed to do, which is it's not obvious that that's what's going on, except you feel that fluidity and you feel that energy and you feel that connection. And so it's actually very clever because it's not showing off. Instead, it's just imparting 
sort of the message of the shot. And it's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, it's the opposite of the end of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yes. Where there's so much close editing that you feel like the, these are three very opposite sides. You realize way before the characters do that they're all one side. And right. the whole the whole thing where they're two different sides, it's fabricated and wrong. And they should be going against the cops, ACAP. I really appreciated <laughs> that. I feel like they leaned way more into that aspect of it in this version oh, yeah. as well. Um, like they added extra dialogue um, in scenes even to kind of really make you despise those folks way more, I felt like, which worked really well for me. Like every time I mean, they had the detective out there and Officer Krupke who... Yeah, fuck Officer Krupke, but like, you know, like the, every scene with them and like the way that they, you can see them trying to egg these folks on is like, it's, it kind of like made me just so much more angry. <laughs> the movie is a, like, it's a, it's a great musical and it's about mm-hmm. tr- a tr- tragic love. It's also about how whiteness was manufactured oh, for and sure. sold to poor quote white people. And the way, there, for instance, there's a, one of the white characters is Italian. And that's a yeah. big moment in American history when, like, Italian became white. Same and, with like, the Irish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that formation of whiteness is at the heart of what the movie is about. All and right. The, we'll let you in as long as you hate Puerto Ricans. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the way it is a big trick, because what do these white kids even have besides being white? They have nothing, right? But they're Just, being sold or people are trying to sell them that as an identity, as a way to accept the fact that they are exploited and not cared for by the state in any way. We have to move on, but before we do, Ariana DuBose, when was the last time somebody rocked you off your ass in a screen debut like this? The 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 dress, the just the flashy dress, like the throwing around the dress and the dancing and the dialogue and the acting. I like this is one of the greatest debut performances in the history of film. Yeah, you want to talk about like a camera loving somebody? Yes. I mean she is like she is almost like saintly in some of the shots of her and it it's it's you really like you are as blown away by her i don't think i've ever bought love at first sight yeah. as much as i do in this movie oh well that's rachel zegler oh i'm sorry who am i who are you talking about get, uh, ariana debose is rachel zegler's brother's girlfriend oh yeah she's cool too i like her yeah <laughs> but rachel zegler let's do her then yeah um she walks in and she makes us believe that anybody could fall in love with Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Which, uh-huh. That's ridiculous. Like, Basically like Slender Man with a haircut. Yeah, <laughs> just based on the name, much less the look. But I cannot believe Rachel Zegler's uh, just awe, like jaw-dropping awe that she has. Like I've never thought another teen was in love more than Rachel Zegler in this movie. Yeah. Uh, they really capture it. I mean, it, it's like, you know, I've, I've seen – a million productions of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. I've seen several productions of West Side Story, and they and the, all suffer kind of from the same thing, mm-hmm. which is these people are already so committed to each other, and they just glance at each right. other once. Well, this movie, it, like, it sets the hook. You believe it. In other uh, Romeo and Juliet and West Side Story movies, it's all because my parents wouldn't like this. Right. <laughs> well, the other thing is that's funny to me is that, like, I don't think that you see stories like this anymore because, like, we have such a weird dynamic with how we can connect with people now. But like back then I feel like so many stories were that because it's like, I might not ever see this person ever again. They're, yeah. I don't have the ability to get on Twitter and say, Hey, took yeah. this picture with this person and I can't find them. Twitter, do your thing. Right. You can't do that there. So he's like, I've got to go for this opportunity now. And same for her. 
Uh, and like she was like a powerhouse in this. Would it have been better if it took place today and he was just like send nudes? <laughs> I went, no, I was thinking like, what if it happened today and he's like, find this girl for me, Twitter, do your thing, and then they just go and cancel her. Yeah. <laughs> Start digging up her old bad tweets. She's like, actually, I hate to inform you about this, but she said this in 2017, so <laughs> might want to West Side Story. West Side Story is up against Pig. Oh it, yeah, this Pig. is a movie that I absolutely love. This is a. Uh, this is one of those movies that I remember from like the late '90s when like I really started watching movies about how like let's just center a movie around one performance, and that performance is Nicolas Cage. But the rest of the movie is about a guy who is missing his pig, and so I believe goes into a underground chef fight club. Yep, that's part of it. Okay, and then also uh, sits down in a restaurant of one of his former proteges, and absolutely undresses him yeah live on screen did you want to make this foam when you first started cooking is that what this like this gastronomical foam was that was the thing you cared about and i like as much as i love nicholas cage i think he might give the best performance of the movie of just starting to laugh and then cry <laughs> when he's asked these questions <laughs> guys uh colin i'll start with you did pig come together as a movie for you no uh i this is i think out of anything we watched this was the only film that could not keep my attention um I don't know what it is. I mean, like, I think Nicolas Cage is all right I, as an actor. And I think part of it is kind of what you were discussing earlier, where he's had some some pretty good stuff, but then there's so much, like, B-movie and just terrible acting choices that I'm always like, all right, dude, sure. Uh, but, like, I don't know. This movie just did not grip me very well. Greg, I, I legit think that he is the Marlon Brando of my generation. Who sounds weirder, Colin or me right now? Well, that's that's the that's Nick Cage, right? That's like the that he, he create me and yeah, Colin. yeah. And I think you know, I, when I think of Marlon Brando, I kind of think of latter Marlon Brando, where he was the biggest weirdo of all time, and like he was liable to be he, completely like absurd in the movies that he was in. Later, Marlon Brando was like, uh, "I want to do the Island of Doctor Moreau," and they're like, yeah. "You want to make that movie?" And he's like, "Sure, a movie." Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I was talking <laughs> about. Uh, that, we'll start with that first. And then we'll see if we like it or not. You know, I do. I do. I get the idea of pig not holding attention because, like, I'm not a big cook, and there's a lot of lovingly shot cooking in this. Oh man, that that scene at the end where you made dinner for the that part yeah. is fine by me, actually. You know what I mean? Like that. Okay, that that wasn't the part that lost no, you. No, it was just I don't know the the characterization and everything just didn't. Yeah, I mean, like I it's kind of hard to tell on zoom, but I'm, I'm a little more portly. So, you know, I enjoy food and stuff like that, but like, I don't know what it is. I just, I've always felt like I, I get that people have pigs for pets, but it's like when you have a movie where you're <laughs> like, there's a dog and the dog's been taken or the dog's been like in John wick where it's like, they shot the dog. Right. I get going after someone, but it's like, there was just so much like weird connection to things that I was like, I don't get. The pig was his wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she he, the pig represented his wife. Not a, you really do. I don't think any wife in America would go. This is the connection I want you to make to me. <laughs> <laughs> but there's other scenes too that like I was so in for, but I could totally see that like somebody not being, which is sitting on the stoop with a kid talking about like an orange tree or yeah. a tree tree, and like Nicolas Cage fucking acting like capital a acting and i could see you rolling your eyes but like i was there for all of it yeah i think i'm in between the two of you i i enjoyed it but 
it is probably my second choice for movies that kind of feel a little bit outclassed by the other the other six. Also, Colin, this beat Dune. It did beat Dune. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, gentlemen. It is time for kind a of a wild so statement. Many, so many emotions just pass over Colin's face. Uh, Colin, pig or the other one? West Side West Story. Side Story. Definitely West Side Story. Greg? Yeah, West Side Story for me, for sure. My vote is also West Side Story. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, the final battle of the first round. Our number three seed is Raisuyaki's Hamaguchi's Drive My Car. It tells the story of a theater director staging Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. The theater company can't afford to have him die in a car crash, so they hire a full-time driver for him. That's where we'll start the synopsis, at, at least. The opponent is Summer of Soul, Questlove's documentary about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, the other music festival in 1969 that nobody ever talks about. Documentaries are usually pushed aside in our bracket for narrative films. So, Colin, we'll start there. What about Summer of Soul made it undeniable? Dude, okay. I This is one of the reasons why I had taken some notes um, earlier, because I really, really loved Summer of Soul. Um, cause I, I get what you're saying, right? The idea of documentaries can be great, but maybe put the more narrative stuff in, but this was a movie that not only addresses a lot of stories that you don't hear enough of in like history classes, like there's stuff that you hear about with the civil rights movement, but then there's stories in that, that I was like, they never talked about that in my class. Yeah. So like, I never knew about this, this, or this. Oh, this and then is also, purposefully erased from history. Yeah. Like, this oh, is for like... sure. Yeah, yeah. And they, and you you hear that, you know, like throughout all those testimonies. But then also on top of that, like music in albums is frequently good, right? Because you can produce the hell out of something. But the fact that the live performances were oftentimes so much better than the recorded produced things because the energy is fully there. Like that movie felt electric. Uh, that, every performance ruled. That's such a good point because I recently watched the Woodstock documentary and it's a really, it's really good. It's really interesting. But the performances were like, what the fuck are you guys kind doing? Kind of crummy, yeah. kind of like, loose. And, yeah. yeah. Are you on stage and are they high? Greg, were they high? Oh, no. I'm sure maybe they'd had a drink or two, but I doubt they were indulging right. in drugs. My favorite part of Summer of Soul, uh, well, actually, I have two favorite parts. One, is a lot of the people who are in this documentary had not seen any footage of it before. And yeah. so watching them watch it for the first time was like so much a, like, I know I'm describing it to you now. It's so much a better experience. You could never imagine how joyful it is to watch these people see themselves yes. as, you know, performing so well and being so young. The other thing was apparently in like, um, like Harlem fashion at the time, uh, like serapes and like sombreros were really big, and I never would have known that except for every time there's a crowd shot, you have a bunch of people just like busting out sombreros and serapes. Like there was obviously a very big South American vibe going on in fashion at the time. I, I feel like that uh, last year was the year of let's show people the documentary while we're making the documentary. Yes, yeah. And so Michael Jordan got to watch a lot of people talk shit on him. And he got to watch it, and we got to watch his reaction. And he took offense to that. And he he was not cool <laughs> about that. But also, yeah. these people watching what they did to that audience. Yeah. Was, that was emotional. Yeah, like, that's something that I have never seen before, and I don't know why. How have documentarians never thought of this? Because this made this one of the most important movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, 
and I think what's important about it is like there's a lot of like the civil rights issues that that, that we were talking about that like mm-hmm. get erased. But you know what really seems to get erased? Like black joy and yes. like fun and just like it like you know expression and everything. There's a and part of this movie where somebody like uh, uh somebody who was a little girl at the time was like I've never seen that many black people before. Yeah, right? Yeah. And 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 just hanging out and having fun and all the joining together for for this one thing. And I think that that's part of why it got erased is because it's like yep. not a story about that's suffering. not the story we want it's to not, tell yeah and so it's it doesn't profit anybody except now is a perfect time to go back and revisit it and honestly i never heard of this one time and for for, for, a, for a split second i was like this is a like a documentary and not a mockumentary yeah are they making something up right? that i've never seen because i would have heard about this you would think you would because right. like the acts in it i mean the temptation right. stevie wonder like people that like i had heard of but like i couldn't imagine they would all be in one show stevie wonder being let out and like absolutely destroyed yes like the oh crowd God, fucking yeah. freaking out yes. yeah i the the thing that you said about joy and something like that was also something that i written down because i was thinking about how important it is that so many movies uh especially just like real life are all about um i mean it could be about any race but frequently for especially like the black community having it be about anguish and yeah. uh torment and all this other stuff like you very rarely get to see those moments of like just like you said just pure joy and excitement and it's like the whole thing about representation, right? Like watching people who were little kids there and then, you know, hearing them talk about it, but then watching them look back at it. And it's like, they remembered it, but then they got to re-experience it. And And like the way that it moved them to be like, you know, I, you know, just, you can see how much those moments shaped every bit of them for the rest of their life. Oh, how could you not be like, Absolutely, yeah. Black people, like, for days, right? Like, yep. all you can see is black people. And then uh, seeing the, what do you think, like, 10 of the top 30 artists of all time performing in front of you? Yeah. God. Like, how could you not be moved forever? And this also coming out at the same time of uh, the Woodstock 99 documentary, yeah. which I also watched, which was and, a different situation right. than this. And pop culture and music especially are, like, in America – owe everything to black musicians uh and this movie um proves that i think like there's so much that you hear there that you go i see how this influenced like these next few things Mm -hmm. um and uh how powerful all of that is and it just gets uh, erased or ignored or forgotten or you know borrowed and then someone else gets the credit for whatever and it's like this is where it's at Totally. It's up against Ryusuke Hamaguchi's Drive My Car. Did you guys? Colin, I'll start with you. Sit through all three hours of this terrible movie. Interesting. I did because I actually really liked it. What? Yeah. That's crazy. No. Here's the thing. Yes, it was slow and it did kind of drag out a bit, but I think that's also the difference between like American style filmmaking, right? Like everything kind of being faster paced to, for like a shorter attention span audience kind of thing. This lets you sit in the moments of people's interactions, reactions, thoughts, memories, things like that. Reflections 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it was long, but there was a lot of like really good shit in there. I thought I, Greg, I like, have you ever seen a better movie in your life? Like this is this what film is made for? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I have I seen a better movie, I, probably, but, but it, maybe it, not though. It is, it, but it is certainly on my shortlist. I'll tell you one thing is because it's three hours and because we had to watch a lot of movies for this, I was not able to watch it twice. It's this and Licorice Pizza were probably the movies I was like, I it sucks that I'm not gonna see this twice before I talk about it on a podcast. Um, the the like. The doubling in this movie, the um, you know characters being foils for one another. Mm-hmm. The m- one thing that really blew me away is, first of all, it, it is a slow-ish movie. It is a celebration of slow. Like the movie mm-hmm. performs the way she drives, you know. Um, but the the what really got me about this movie was it uses a lot of you see people's reactions to things and for a second you don't understand if they're acting or if that's their real reaction. Right. You, there's a part where he compliments her driving. And she falls to the ground and you're like, oh, my God, she was so overwhelmed to get a compliment that she fell to the ground. And then the camera slowly moves down and it's a dog has come in and she jumped down to right. like hug the dog. And it's not that she didn't fall to the ground because of the compliment that she only fell to the ground to see the dog. But for a second, like we are we are asked to interpret her motions mm-hmm. in a way that because we don't fully understand their context. And that happens like 10 times in the movie. And it was so Every time it happened, I was surprised. And it worked every single time. But, like, we're so... This movie, like, teaches you how to watch it immediately. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen a movie like this that, it, uh, like, this is how this movie works. And you can get on board. You can get in the backseat. Or you can get the fuck out. And it teaches you in such a way where, like, when the one guy, the one actor goes to beat up somebody. Yes. Yes. The things you don't see in this movie, the things that are right. not shown to the audience. But like, even that was like, well, I thought that that guy was going to go beat him up. And now I'm sort of disappointed because this movie, I wanted like this movie to just keep me on this fucking smooth ass train. That's not even a train. It's like a cloud. And he like, basically goes and beats that guy to death. Right. Or I like, think so. Yeah. yeah. That's I mean, why like, he gets arrested. Yeah. And he like, wouldn't have been I arrested about... if, he, if, if it wasn't to like death. I think about like you know how, the way you were talking about like the people's reactions, right? It almost felt like when they walk in and they're like, "Can we talk?" He's like, "Here's fine," and they yeah. just lay out for him over a microphone to Shit. everyone his stuff. I almost feel as though there's there's a possibility there that there was no like script for some of those people because the reactions of everyone in that room, again, like I understand that good acting can feel. True and genuine. Yeah. But the way that that one woman kind of like runs after him for a brief moment to be like, that can't be true. Like, but then kind of stops herself. Like, wait, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, But then also I did write down for that same exact scene um, that, hang on shit, where is it? Uh, When he admits to killing that man and they're standing outside waiting uh, and like the two producers come outside to talk to him and he's like, so what's the deal? They say, oh, he admitted to it. So he's not coming back. He's like, oh, well, then what are we going to do? They're like, so are you going to act in it or are we canceling it? And he was like, can't I have like a minute to think about it? And they were like, no. I thought I've never seen a more accurate work scenario in my life. I just found out he beat somebody to death. Can I have a moment? No. In a movie, you would expect like back to George Clooney to walk up and be like, figure it out right now. Yeah. But now somebody's like, look, I've had two and a half hours of this movie to reflect on literally everything. Could I have mm-hmm. one minute to reflect on that? I, uh, that's like, I, I've, I've never seen a movie like this before. 
Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it, it definitely like it changes your ideas of what a movie can be. And also it's the longest movie here, I think, mm-hmm. and felt maybe the shortest. Like it does not feel long at all. And I, I like, I would say like, Hey, if we were going to invite a fourth person to be on the show, you have to watch these eight movies. I wouldn't say like, be careful of drive my car. It's three hours. I'd be like, right. Do that right away. Yeah. And that, that would be one of the best experiences you ever have. How I don't like, the reflexiveness, the uh, the quietness, the like, the, how like every single character is like, huh? Let me think about that. Is so amazing. And ultimately, it's about like, it's about I think the most fundamental human reality, which is that we can't stand to think of each other as complicated as we know that we mm-hmm. are. That it is we injurious. It's injurious to us to think of that. Like we know we can get so mad at the people we love. And it's so hard to imagine the people that love us could get that upset with us or they could be disgusted by us. Which is why they had the whole thing of like, oh, your wife is cheating on you and you didn't do shit. Yeah. In right. the, and like sort of the preamble, right? Like even like yep. 30 minutes before we get the title of the movie, that shit happens. Because mm-hmm. we get it at about the 45 minute mark where it says drive my right. car. <laughs> and I think it's also But like really the important. lack of judgmental and the, the whole focus on like, let's just think. Can we just like yeah. drive and think is the whole point of the movie. And the, the big thing too is about like when people die, right? Like inevitably in every interaction that you have with someone or someone that you are close with, one of you, unless there's a freak accident with both of you in it, one of you will outlive the other. And that void is something that the other person then has to sit with and have to reflect on and make decisions about. But the person that goes first doesn't ever have to experience that with that other person. And so it leaves people with these these things that they have to do, like the fact that he still couldn't move past situations. So he sat there and listened to his wife reading lines on a tape for years still, yeah. you know, shows like, that he was I, still holding on to it. That exact same thing. Like, that's the plot of other movies. What's the is it Rabbit Hole with Nicole Kidman and Aaron Eckhart where like what you described is a 90 mm-hmm. minute movie where they go through every aspect of dealing with that in scene after screaming scene after screaming scene. And for this movie to not be that, just to be like, I'm forced to be in the backseat? Fine. Let me reflect. And we have to watch that. I just... I think it it shows, though, how long that stuff sticks with you, too, right? Because if it was oh, yeah, a 90-minute movie... Oh, yeah, because that rabbit hole movie was done, like, deleted from my brain immediately. Yeah, you, like, you move on so... Like, if you move on so quickly, then, like, was it important? But, like, the fact that it's, like, like you said, like, 45 minutes in is where the real problem for him, in a way, starts, you know, like, and that, that reflectiveness, like, and you sit with it for so long. Um, but then huh? also yeah. connecting back to Summer of Soul for a moment... I also really appreciated the multicultural stuff in this movie. Like in Summer of Soul, they talk about how Latin music and stuff like that was very frequently tied in um, with uh, other communities. I mean, all communities really, but especially like the black community um, in Harlem, especially. But then here, like you had like Japanese, you had like Korean sign language and things like that. Like, but people letting those multicultural things yeah. come together and not be judgmental about it, but instead being like, this is art where these two things can meet and understand each other. We're going to make a play that mm-hmm. isn't like Hamilton, like uh colorblindness, but still like every best actor, whatever we need to right. do to make the best actor for each role have their chance. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Cause gentlemen. her final speech 
sorry, I was just saying her final speech where she's just signing and it's just dead silent in yeah. the room was, I thought, extremely powerful. Oh, yeah. Colin, Summer of Soul versus Drive My Car. This is really tough because they are both, I think, very important. But kind of what we had said in the beginning is like, I think that this is as this is good for a documentary to make it up this far. But I don't know if I can continue to put it up against narrative movies. Um, although that doesn't mean that it's not important. I think it should still be almost like required viewing for and people. And it's on Hulu, people. Just fucking yeah. watch it. And on Disney Plus now. Oh, there you go. Um, which is where I watched it. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I think that I'm, I'm going to have to put Drive My Car as my vote. Greg? Yeah, Drive My Car. It blew me away. I love Summer of Soul, but Drive My Car is just one of those movies that you watch it for about five minutes and you're like, okay, this is different. Mm-hmm. Drive My Car wins. When we come back, we have four movies left. Let's see what wins. All right, Greg, you're up first. It's Red Rocket versus Licorice Pizza. Loved Red Rocket, but Licorice Pizza, I don't know. This, you, you, asked, you briefly touched on how it doesn't have a conventional narrative form. And I wish we had more time to talk about that because I think that's what really got me like sort of addicted to this movie besides the chemistry of the two main characters. I'm going to go Licorice Pizza, Ryan. Colin? I'm going to go Red Rocket for kind of all, almost same things, but mostly about how different this movie is for showing different sides of our country and the people that live in it. Sean Baker almost went three for three. Almost. Mm. But I'm going to go with Licorice Pizza. He met P.T. Anderson. The next one, gentlemen, I'm more intrigued by. It's West Side Story versus Drive My Car. Colin, you're up first. I really, really liked the West Side Story, and I was kind of surprised by that because I was thinking, do we need another version of this? Um, But like we discussed earlier, it was shot really well, uh, and Rachel Zegler, Zegler, Zegler? Zegler. Zegler was phenomenal. Um, Like she was incredible in this movie. But I think that Drive My Car just feel like because we've seen West Side Story before. Yeah, no matter what, you've never seen Drive My Car. Yeah, Yeah, you've never seen Drive My Car. And I think that that's why it moves forward for me. Greg? Yeah, West Side Story was a big surprise, but nothing was as surprising as how much I loved Drive My Car. And the final battle, which I don't know if you guys predicted, but I did. (laughs) Yeah. Licorice (laughs) Pizza versus Drive My Car. I'll go first. Just kidding. Colin? Drive my car versus licorice pizza. Uh, drive my car for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, Greg. <laughs> I don't want to sound disrespectful in saying that this is a slam dunk. I loved licorice pizza, uh, but I don't know. Drive my car, like you said, Ryan. Is this the best movie you've ever seen? Like, I I can't answer that question now. But at some right. point, the answer might be yes. I just have to see it like three more times. Uh, if it's not the best movie you've ever seen, it's one of those movies. It's one of those like uh, monoliths that 2001 drops on you of like, well, this uh, my movie watching this changed forever. Yeah. Yeah. I So something that you had said earlier about, you know, how movies change you and stuff like that during the licorice pizza versus Spider-Man thing. This is definitely a moment where I'm like, this is this is a movie that I left feeling very differently. After yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think, uh, of all the movies here, only four of them did that for me. Uh, and Licorice Pizza was not one of them. So that was why, you know, for me, Drive My Car pushed it over. But, like, Drive My Car was one where I think the only one where after it ended, I hit, like, stop. After, once the credits were kind of halfway through. 
I just sort of sat there for a couple of minutes, just yes. sort of thinking, kind of oh, continuing yeah. on the length of of everything, you know. You you have to, yeah, and you would love to. That's the other thing is that like I I feel like people are scared of like you got to think about this movie, and it's not like homework. It's just wonderful to think about this movie. Colin, where can our audience find you? Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on uh, the podcasts Myth Takes, which is a actual play podcast doing Monster of the Week currently. Uh, in season one, season one's coming to a close this year, probably around June, uh, or on timeline scavengers, a podcast that will follow me to my death, where we go <laughs> through the MCU and build the timeline in historical order, scene by scene. If we you are guys still need in a 1931. Off, let me and Mike know. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. We got you. You guys have fucking written yourself a gravestone right there. Uh, in March, we go to three episodes a week and okay. in the beginning of 2023, we go to four episodes a week. So uh, the fuck, man? And I guarantee you, we will not hit 1970 before 2025. Um, that's that's my mathematic guarantee. Uh, and uh, otherwise, though, scavengersnetwork.com um, for to listen to those shows or at scavengersnet on Twitter. And then finally, for me, at Colin M. Parker, where you can tweet to me about how much you love Spider-Man and <laughs> I will not judge you for it. You were the only one who was right, Colin. <laughs> Colin, thank you so much for being on this yeah, show. Yeah, dude, thank you. No, Ray, thank you for thank having me. Thank you so much. Joy. Hey. Uh, congratulations to Drive My Car. Yeah. The Great 2021 movie. movie of the year. I think we all sort of knew it, but yes. we didn't want to yeah. admit it, right? Like, yeah. We thought we were Power of the Dog slobs, but Drive My Car yeah. is the best movie of 2021. It's great. Um, we'll be back next week with the return of greg hosting 1991 man we're going back to the regular show and you know colin's gonna do my girl with us mm-hmm. how fun we're talking about a b movie we... 1991 was the movie uh, the movie the year i was born and also i it took me a brief moment b movie very funny <laughs> yeah that's that's something that somebody born in 1991 would say for ryan i am greg i am colin thank you to drive my car good night everybody